Welcome to Malicious Mamas, a podcast dedicated to an all-female perspective on lore, legends, and the creatures of the insomnia-driven fears you have at 3 a.m. I am your host, Mickey Mandiola. There are times when the topic I choose for a particular episode becomes so engrossing that I end up spending an exceedingly longer amount of time on research just because I can't help but dig in some more. This, listeners, is one of those times. I don't try to pretend that these episodes cover every single fact of each mama because trying to do so would be impossible. I tend to search for the most consistent and interesting bits, but with a subject like this, those facets were never-ending. With an attempt at not rambling any further, let's get down to the business. This week's topic is Medium Helen Duncan. The saying, there are two sides to every story, couldn't be more true with this mama. Something you should know up front is that Duncan became a very polarizing figure. As a medium, she garnered a following still going strong today with the belief that she was the real deal. On the flip side of that, facts and multiple research studies proved her to be a fraud. In order to get the full picture, I'm going to present both sides in this episode. Let's start from the beginning, shall we? Born Victoria Helen McFarlane in Calendar, Perthshire, Scotland in 1897, Duncan began exhibiting her spiritual ability as a young child. Prior to her fully diving into her supernatural talents, she married Henry Duncan in 1916, who wholeheartedly supported his wife's abilities. Deciding in 1926 to professionally practice as a medium, Duncan would hold seances in an attempt to contact the dead. What made these events unlike any before was the fact that Duncan could produce a cloud-like substance from her mouth while in the midst of contacting the deceased. This substance was referred to as ectoplasm. Becoming more popular as she traveled throughout Britain performing her services, rumors of her talents began to spread. People reported to have seen actual spirits appear before their eyes, talking, and even touching seance participants. With the buzz surrounding Duncan's abilities, photographer Harvey Metcalf decided to attend a series of these events. In 1928, he managed to snap photos of Duncan in an ectoplasm-producing trance which would later be used as proof of her fraudulent activity. Let's just say for now, the fact that there was a magazine cutout of a female face attached to one of these ectoplasmic clouds didn't make her look all too good. By 1931, Duncan had caught the attention of the London Spiritual Alliance, who was curious enough to test out a collected sample of her ectoplasm. Once examined, the Alliance revealed the substance to be anything but supernatural. Made up of cheesecloth and paper mixed with egg whites stuck together, this pointed to Duncan being a false medium. Theorizing that she would swallow this substance pre-seance session and regurgitate it during a trance, the LSA decided to put this theory to the test. Convincing Duncan to swallow a tablet of methylene blue, which would prevent her from keeping the mixture in her system, 
They then asked her to perform her usual seance, during which no ectoplasm was produced. Within the same year, Duncan was paid 50 pounds to participate in another study by the National Laboratory of Cyclical Research. Chemist Harry Price was particularly excited to begin testing Duncan's ability after receiving a bottle of collected ectoplasm from a previous seance. Unfortunately, he came up with the same combination of cheesecloth and egg whites, which again made Duncan seem suspicious. At the suggestion of being x-rayed by the facility during one of her trances, Duncan became violent. Running from the laboratory and out into the street, she immediately drew in a crowd. It wasn't every day that the people of London would see a woman throwing a fit in the street. This instance became even more shocking when it's combined with Duncan's outward appearance. Besides being adorned in what I can best describe as a strange black satin-esque jumpsuit situation, the woman was over 300 pounds. As the crowd grew larger, Duncan was forced to be restrained by her husband. This act completely demolished the controlled quality of the test, so once back inside the lab, Duncan was deemed unfit to continue with an x-ray. Now, however, Duncan insisted upon being tested. The researchers became convinced that once her husband laid hands on her outside, Duncan passed him the concocted ectoplasm. Researchers, of course, denied her x-ray request. Another instance pointing to her dishonesty as a medium happened again in 1933. During a seance, the spirit of a little girl named Peggy physically manifested herself in front of the participants. A woman present then took it upon herself to grab a hold of the spirit. Revealing Peggy to be made up of a stocking-like material, the police were called and Duncan was fined 10 pounds. Finally, in 1941, during the Second World War, Helen made a prediction that proved beneficial to her medium career. She claimed to have made contact with a sailor on board the HMS Barham, divulging that the ship had been sunk several months before the war office released that information. Taken out by a German U-boat, 861 men were lost. Proving her knowledge to be factual, Duncan began to look like a credible medium. On the opposite side of this, the war office claimed that the information on the sinking wasn't all that top secret. Families of the 800-plus men were of course contacted about their loss, and this could have led to the leak. To add, Duncan used a sailor's hat present during the seance as a means of contacting Miss Spirit. The hat read HMS Barham, which proved questionable because hats used by these sailors would not actually have the name of the ship, but rather a simple HMS on front. After this incident, on the night of January 19, 1944, one of Duncan's private seances was raided by the police. Officers were reported to have tried to stop the ectoplasm emitting from her mouth, but failed to do so. Once the scene was effectively calmed and stabilized, Helen was arrested. 
Supporters of Duncan's abilities believe that the arrest was based on the government's fear that Helen would release other classified information. D-Day preparations were being made, and officials could not risk her revealing the date or other details regarding the operation. Non-supporters, i.e. the police, stated that Duncan was originally arrested under Section 4 of the Vagrancy Act of 1824, which inhibits against pretending or professing to tell fortunes. This would be considered a minor offense and tried by magistrates. Since Duncan was a repeat offender, the police wanted a more substantial charge. Eventually, they would find that in the form of the Witchcraft Act of 1735 that covered fraudulent spiritual activity. This offense could be tried by a jury. After not using this act in over a century, it became big news. The trial proceeded for seven days, and despite the lack of physical evidence against Helen and many witnesses testifying on her behalf, she was still sentenced to nine months in jail. Duncan served her time in London's Holloway Prison, making her the last woman to be tried and sentenced under the Witchcraft Act of 1735, which would be repealed in 1951. When she was released on September 22, 1944, Helen insisted she would continue to practice. Continued to be monitored after her release, in November of 1956, another one of Duncan's seances was raided. During which, in an ectoplasmic trance, Helen was touched by the officers. Supporters point out that if a medium is disturbed during one of these trances, the ectoplasm can return to their body at an alarming rate, potentially causing enormous, even fatal, damage. Immediately following the raid, Duncan became ill and had to be hospitalized. Five weeks later, she passed away. Duncan's supporters, of course, believe this is due to the police involvement during her trance. The police and doctors took another stance. Duncan passed away because of her obesity and pre-existing heart condition. What makes the story so consuming is the parallel between early witch trials and Duncan's sentencing. Like the witch trials of the past, it can be argued that people fear that which they cannot comprehend. If Duncan was truly a talented medium, then she was falsely convicted. If the facts hold up, she was a swindler, and a pretty good one at that. Regardless, her tale lives on, and there is still a petition today actively seeking for Duncan to be pardoned of her crimes. So, who knows? There may be more to add to the Helen Duncan legacy in the future. On that note, let's conclude this episode. If you have any suggestions on mamas you'd like me to cover or a spooky tale to share, please send an email to maliciousmamas at gmail.com. If you're looking for more mamas in your life, follow Malicious Mamas on both Instagram and Twitter. Also, if you could rate, comment, and subscribe to Malicious Mamas on your favorite podcast app, it would really help out 
and I would greatly appreciate the feedback. Until next time, keep it real, mamas. <laughs>